Growing up, uh, one of the family staples at the Hensel household was watching the Ian Fleming James Bond movies. Uh, Roger Moore is my James Bond, followed by Pierce Brosnan. You can thank Daniel Craig or Sean Connery, and you have every right to be wrong. Um, that's just how it is. And in between fight scenes and saving the world, in every movie, there was the sheet scene. And my dad, every time the sheet scene took place, would take his glasses off. And my dad can't see past his nose when he takes his glasses off. And uh, he wouldn't put them back on until the music changed and the dialogue resumed. And he would expect me to close my eyes. But since uh, he took his glasses off, he couldn't see. And I had 2015 vision. I remember going over to Matt's house. He was on, him and I were on the same baseball team. His dad was the coach. And we went down into the basement and he rifled around and he, he grabbed a, a VHS tape and he put it in the VCR. And the images that came across the screen, I was not prepared for. I found myself excited, I find myself intrigued. It showed in detail what the James Bond movies implied. I also felt dirty and ashamed. I was confused. My coach seemed like such a nice guy. How could he have something like that in his house? It didn't feel right. I remember going to a construction site trailer and seeing the very first calendar where it seems like the, the days on the calendar don't matter at all. Uh, the, and the internet came out, and we would go over to my friend's house. He was the first one to have an internet connection. And over the course of about two to seven minutes, it would download any image that you typed in. And then we would wait to see what it would produce. I remember Twitter and Instagram and interacting with them and realizing quickly that if I was not careful, these platforms could be incredibly dangerous because I could readily see pictures that I probably don't want to see and shouldn't see. It happened to me actually not too long ago. I, uh, I'm so cool, and I, I think you guys know this. I watch farming videos on YouTube. Um, yeah, it's really how, co how cool I am. Like late at night, I'm like, I think I should check up on the farmers. And one of the farmers I watch goes by the big Swede. And so I was like, you know what, I should follow him on Instagram. And so I type in on Instagram, B-I-G-S-W-E-E. -E. And then it autofilled sweet, big sweet, and then a whole, well, I remember Game of Thrones coming out and it was all the rage. And like many of you, I got swept up going, well, let's see what this is about. And I loved the storyline. But over time, the images and the sexual scenes in that were way more than I was prepared for. And I kept trying to figure out how I was gonna navigate each episode. I was hooked with the storyline, but it was becoming difficult to fast forward and still not see images that would be forever forged in my brain. I eventually realized for me, I just could not, uh, in my own heart, keep watching one more episode. So I have no clue who is still alive, 
what happens in the subsequent seasons, how it all ends, I'm hoping the dragons do something cool. Today, I wanna talk to you about porn. I wanna welcome you from all of our different locations, online and inside. Those of you joining for the first time or the first time in a long time, you have to know this, I am so glad that you are here. There might be some of you right now who are going, I can't believe this is the service I brought my friend to. Some of you, you might be thinking of all the weeks that I finally came back to church, why this one? Some of you might be thinking, no wonder my wife wanted me to come to church today. Hear me, nobody knew that this week was coming. You have not been duped, but I'm so glad that you are here. I want you to push past all of those thoughts and just hang with me for just a little bit, even if you're not a Christian yet, because I believe that today could be a defining moment in your life, that it could drastically change your health in all kinds of areas, mentally, physically, sexually, relationally, and emotionally. Here at The Crossing, you've heard us say this a bunch. We believe that God's way is the best way. Pick any area of your life, and we believe that God has a plan, a way for you and I to live, and that that way will be the very best way that you could possibly live. Every area of your life, including sex. Another phrase we use around here a lot is this one. We want to be in your corner. And today, if you would allow me, I'm gonna put on like my very best pastor hat, and I wanna be in your corner. I wanna be in your corner rooting for you, encouraging you, equipping you to live and experience God's best for you. And what I want you to know is that porn robs you of God's best for you. I, was, uh, I have a team of people that I get together with every so often to kinda flesh out some of the sermon series that we go on. And when we got to this particular sermon, the, uh, the room was divided, and I was not prepared for this. There was a group of people in the room who, when I said things like, people know that porn is wrong, they were like, yeah, of course they do. That's why, you know, people don't invite people over to watch it with them. You know, they're not like, hey, you want to come over today at 7 o'clock? We'll watch some porn together. People don't do that. At least I I don't think they do. There's a reason why we keep it from our kids. It's a reason why we usually do it alone and in dark places and we don't want other people to find out. And I think that as people start to be more aware of the impacts of porn and how it uh, affects us mentally and psychologically and all these different areas, as leadership experts come out and start talking about it, professional athletes, leading comedians, who are all saying, yeah, I'm stopping porn because it has been disrupting my life and it is incredibly dangerous that people are starting to wake up to this is not a great way to live. But then on, on our staff, there was a group of people in the room and they were going, I'm pretty sure our people don't know that it's bad. So then I'm sitting there like, well, depending on your audience, how you approach this sermon drastically changes if people know it's wrong and they just need some help versus people who don't know it's wrong and they need convinced. And they started telling me horrible stories. They were telling me stories that they've heard that people are going to marriage counselors and marriage counselors are encouraging for them to watch porn. 
trying to get the wives to understand that this will be a good thing for her husband to participate in. And I'm going, how? Uh, they're telling me stories of, of young women in our church, in our junior high, or not in our junior high, in our high school and in our uh, collective age range or uh, young adults who have accounts where people pay to access pictures they take of themselves. And that the girls justify their behavior because of the innocent nature of the pictures. Which I understand it from their perspective, like, you know, I'm just showing them pictures of my feet. But on a deeper level, they don't realize that they are indeed selling themselves. They're contributing to the objectification of women. They're participating in pushing forward a narrative that women are to be consumed instead of image bearers of God to be cherished. Some of you, you're in a spot where you just turn a blind eye at the behavior of your spouse or you turn a blind eye to the behavior of your kids. At least he's having sex with himself. At least she's just fooling around with herself and not getting pregnant by some high school, college fling. Others tend to operate in complete ignorance or remain passive because they would just rather not know. But a recent survey demonstrates in Christian circles, so if we were to call you all Christians, which one of my favorite things about The Crossing is there's lots of you listening to me who aren't Christians, and that makes my heart so happy. But let's just assume everybody here is a Christian. In Christian circles, 64% of Christian men consume porn monthly. Six out of 10. Women, 15% of Christian women consume porn monthly. Now, everybody, just stay looking at me because I don't want you looking around and making anybody feel bad. If you're a male between the age of 18 and 30, 79% of you are consuming porn monthly. This is a huge problem. And you might be wondering, how does this happen? How do we find ourselves in this spot? Super easy, let me tell you. John 10, 10, this is Jesus talking. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He's talking about Satan. You and I, we have an enemy. And he is trying to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. But I, this is Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God has a best way for you, a life to the full. But Satan is trying to steal from you, kill from or kill you and destroy you. You have a marriage, he wants to destroy it. He wants to kill it. He wants to steal the intimacy and the joy from it. You have a parenting relationship, you have kids that you wanna nourish and grow in the Lord, he wants to steal as much as he can from that. He wants to kill whatever is good and growing and godly. He wants to destroy their future. You and I have an enemy. And so when it comes to sex, 
Satan uses sex and pornography to break up families, to impact your health, to rewire your brain. Spiritually, he uses pornography to create barriers to you understanding God's best for you and his love and the ability for you to receive his grace and mercy. Relationally, it births shame, which leads to isolation because if anybody finds out the things that I type in, how could they ever be close to me? Well, then how do we find ourselves trapped with a battle with pornography. Well, James uh, chapter one tells us, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. So real quick, when you are tempted to engage in uh, pornography, this is not God made you do it. This is not, you know, he's just checking to see how serious I am, no, 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 no. No one should say God has tempted me. God had nothing to do with this. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Let's keep going in the text. But each person, that's you and me, is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Let me unpack a little bit more of this. This is what it says here, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away and enticed. If you go to the original languages, you know what these words are? They're fishing terms. How many of you guys have ever been fishing? This will be helpful. This is what happens. Satan gets out his little little tackle box. All good fishers have a little tackle box. And then he's like, I'm gonna go fishing for somebody today. And he decides to go fishing for you. And then he reaches inside of his little uh, lures and he finds what will make you bite. And then he, I'm not a good fisherman, okay? So just bear with me, those of you who are wearing camo. And uh, (laughs) he throws it out there. And then you are just going about your, (laughs) right? And then you see this little, Worm, just, oh, 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 oh. And then Satan just watches the little sin bobber. Oh, we've got a bite. We've got a nibble. And then, and he's got you. Some of you, you've been deep sea fishing. I went deep sea fishing. I didn't catch anything, not a thing. I paid 250 bucks to just see the coast for like two miles. It was horrible. Not a, not a thing. I, it must be the biggest scam. When I retire, I'm just going to be a deep sea fishing guy. Hey, yeah, let's just go out there. $250. We'll catch you something. Not, I didn't even get a hold of pole. I, it was, I, got, I got robbed. Okay. And, but the other people told stories of what happened when they, when they paid. And you'll, you'll catch one, and then the line goes out. And sometimes we're looking at porn and we take it and we keep swimming. Nothing bad's happened. But then eventually they, and they start to reel you in. Some of you, you've been fishing and they didn't just like take the bait. They like swallowed it all. It's all the way down in their stomach. And when we interact with pornography, what happens is, is Satan is getting his hooks in us. And maybe not immediately, maybe not right away, but eventually 
He pulls us into the boat, fillets us, robs us of everything. It just leaves us the shell of who we used to be. And this sin, when it is full grown, it leads away and it gives birth to death. There was a guy at uh, one of our locations who helped me finish the changing rooms in the baptistry. He was an incredible guy. I loved hanging out with him. Things were going good. He was pursuing God in his life. And then one day, the FBI raided his house and took all of his devices, and he was charged with possession of child pornography. Oh, it didn't start there. Over time, the videos that he was watching weren't satisfying him as much as they should And so uh, it grew a little bit darker, and a little bit darker, and a little bit darker. And then eventually he found himself in a place he never would have imagined, faced with the reality of how he had somehow been rewired to find enjoyment from the oppression and abuse of the innocent. God has a better way for you and I to live. This is what it is, 1 Thessalonians. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. He has a plan that is good for us, but it also allows us to please God. If you have a desire to please God with your life, if that is like one of the things that's a priority for you, this is what it looks like. As in fact you are living, Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. He's saying, hey, God has a plan for your life. When you follow this plan, it pleases God. And we just wanna tell you, keep it up. Do this more and more. Let's keep going. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. You remember what we told you to do and how to do it. But in case you forgot, it is God's will that you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality. Sanctification is you moving from a life of sin to being more like God. It's moving away from your sin and becoming more like your savior. That is the process of you being sanctification. You are being molded into a more Christ-like person. That if Jesus had control over all the areas of your life, you would become more and more like Jesus. That would be sanctifying you. And then this thing right here, avoid sexual immorality. Sexual immorality, the Greek word for this is pornea. You didn't even know this, you already knew Greek. Yeah, (laughs) pornea. Now, let me be clear about what uh, sexual immorality is. Sexual immorality is any sexual behavior that is outside of a man and woman inside of marriage. So what does that mean? It means having sex with somebody who's not your spouse. Means having sex with a a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a side piece. It means uh, logging on and following people you shouldn't follow on social media because of what you get to stare at. It's websites that you log on to, it's videos you watch, it's pictures you share with other people. It is uh, calendars hanging on your garage wall, it's movies, and yes, it's romance novels. But Clayton, my husband's not super romantic, and so I'm able to... Our urges, let's keep going in the text. 
that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. So my, my body should exhibit self-control. We get self-control through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So when you're a Christian, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which allows you the fruit that it produces in your life is self-control. So the Holy Spirit will enable you to live a life where you are controlled in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the pagans, which is their word for non-Christians, people who don't know Jesus, don't follow Jesus, haven't surrendered their life to Jesus, who do not know God. Here's what he's saying. Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're governed by uh, different things. We're governed by God's will, not by our passions, not by our cravings, not by our urges. But look, man, pagans are gonna be pagans. People who don't know Jesus are gonna be like people who don't know Jesus, which makes sense. How can you expect someone to live for God if they don't believe in God? How can you expect someone to have the fruit of the Spirit in their life if they don't have the Spirit in their life? But he's going, but here's what definitely shouldn't happen. People who know better and have the power by the Holy Spirit to live better shouldn't be exhibiting the same behavior as people who don't and who can't. Let's keep going. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. I'm going to circle back to that in just a second. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. Let's keep going in the text. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. He's given you and I a different standard. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being. You're not rejecting me. These aren't my words. You're rejecting God. The very God who gives you his, interestingly enough, the Holy Spirit. Now, when it says that uh, we should not wrong or take advantage of our brothers and sisters, here's what I need you to know. When you are consuming pornography, you are taking advantage of somebody. Would you watch porn if it was your sister? Would you watch porn if it was your daughter? Would you go, oh, well, I mean, you know, she's an actor. She gets paid for it. Or would your heart be breaking and going, what happened that put this person in this spot where they would allow themselves to become a commodity? What kind of pain, what kind of brokenness, what kind of experience leads a person to this place occupationally? And when we consume, we become participators in their oppression. And some of you right now, you're going, okay, real cool, Clayton. So this is God's plan. This is God's standard. And I've already messed up. So what do you do if you've already messed up or you are struggling a lot in this area? Uh, to be honest with you, some of you right now, you're a little frustrated. Not frustrated at me, although some of you might be. Some of you right now are going, actually, I'm pretty ticked, but I'm pretty ticked at God. He made me this way. He put all these passions inside of me, these urges. I mean, what do I do with all of this? And I'll be honest with you, Clayton, I've tried to quit. I've even prayed to quit. I've been showing up for church. That's not helping. I've been reading my Bible, and I'm still struggling. I've been praying about it, still struggling. And some of you are like, you know what I'll do? 
Once I get married, I'll be fine. Because all married people do is make money, cook, and have sex. And then you find yourself in your marriage, you found out that once she eats the wedding cake, a lot of her sexual desires leave. And now you find yourself married, and you're like, I thought that she was gonna be the one who fixed all this for me, and she's crocheting. And so now you're going, well, since she's not available to me, I'll just, or some of you ladies, because he's not, I'll just. And some of you, you're trying to compete with what you're seeing on a screen, but there's not an airbrushed version of you. And you're not willing to do the things that are on the videos because no one's paying you stupid amounts of money to do those things. And so now you find yourself in a marriage and your marriage hasn't fixed it. And so you cry out to God again and yet you still wrestle. Here's what you need to know. Every person who wrestles with pornography on some level is dealing with a wound that needs healed. Someone somewhere along the line was inappropriate with you hurt you or expose you to something that you should have never seen, planted images in you that you should have never been uh, seen, and now you have to live with those. So what I want to do is I want to give you a three-point plan to navigate this challenge in your life and in your marriage. The first two, you're going to be like, okay, I can live with this. Um, this third one, you're going to be like, so just, let's just do the first two and let's see how we're doing. The first one is when it comes to pornography, when it comes to temptation, uh, the Bible tells you, don't resist, run. Don't resist, run. Look what it says in Corinthians. Flee from sexual immorality. All the other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You do not belong to you. We belong to God. We were bought at a price. What was the price that was paid? God sent his one and only son to die on the cross. We were purchased by the blood of Jesus. We no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to him and his kingdom. Therefore, since God owns us, honor God with our bodies. But the first part of this is flee. Some of you, you're trying to resist it instead of Run from it. And when you try to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Satan, you will lose. He just wants you to keep looking at the bait in the water. Fixate on the bait in the water. And what, he, what Jesus is saying, no. When you see that bait in the water, you run. Get away as fast as you possibly can. Because that's one of the challenges is Porn is easy, sex is hard. And the more you stay, stay around pornography, the more you try to fight it, the more you fixate on it, the more it has you. Satan is happy just distracting you. What he's calling you to do is when you are navigating this, turn and run, get yourself out of that environment. Number two, establish strong safeguards. How many of you uh, locked your house last night before you went to bed? Okay. 
How many of you locked your car? You beep beeped it when you were walking into church today. It's a lot of you leaving your cars unlocked. Hope they're still there. Um, yeah, I, I haven't heard too many stories of cars being stolen in our parking lot, but you locked it anyway. And I get it. Some of you are like, I see some of the people who come to the church and I'm locking it. I get it. I get it. Okay, we love them, but God bless them. But we're locking the car. You want to know why you do that? Is you lock up what's important to you. You put safeguards in place around things that matter to you. So when it comes to your purity, lock it up. Put some safeguards around it. I've never met somebody who's like, I wish I had less safeguards in my life. I wish these safeguards, they're just making me too safe. The other day I was working on my, on my saw. I was like, I gotta take this safeguard off. And all week you've been trying to count to 10 and can't get there. I'll tell you what, some of you, you were working on your saw and you're like, now I can't tell anybody that they're a bad driver. I'm in a seriously bad spot. And these safeguards, right? I bet they were wishing I wish I had the safeguards back. What are safeguards? Craig Rochelle says it this way. He's, I love the way he says it. Why would I resist a temptation in the future when I have the power to eliminate it today? Here's what that would mean. Uh, give over your passwords. Set uh, accountability software on your devices. If you click on uh, the QR code that you have in front of you at all of our locations, go to the Reclaim Sermon series, go all the way down to the Sermon on Porn. There are some different places that you can go to get accountability software, and it will help you. It will help you put safeguards in place to keep you from looking at things you shouldn't look at. It will help you not just run, it will also put safeguards in place. Everybody's good so far. Number three, confess it. That's the third thing you gotta do. You gotta confess it. And there's two groups of people you have to confess it to. Uh, the first group of people you have to confess it to is God. Clayton, that's dumb. Because God already knows everything that I do anyway. Why do I have to tell him if he already knows? Well, come here, look at this. Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. So whoever experienced this forgiveness and this covering, they're a blessed person. Let's keep going. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and, and whose spirit is no deceit. So there's a blessing when God doesn't count your sins against you. How do we get that? Let's keep going. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Let's keep going. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I, look what changes, then I acknowledged my sin to you, this is God, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. That's how good your God is. When you confess it, he'll forgive it. You don't believe me? Let me give you another one, Proverbs 28. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. If you're here today, and you're wanting to prosper in this area of your life, check this out. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You might be here today and you're going, man, not only do I need forgiveness, I could also use some mercy. I want you to know when you confess it to God, that is what you will get. But if you still don't believe me, let me take you to 1 John 1, 9 to show you how good our God is. 
If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just and will. Everybody say this word. Say it like we didn't have a time change. Say it like I'm a better preacher. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Look at how good your God is. He says, if you bring your sin to me, you acknowledge your sin to me, I will give you mercy. I will prosper you. I will cover up your transgressions and I will forgive you. And if you are stuck in a battle with pornography, this is your plan. You take it to Jesus. But you have to confess it to a second group of people. You have to confess it to God's people. And some of you are going, nope. I was right there with you until that. Come here, look at this, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This is an old preacher saying, we get forgiveness of our sin from God, but we get healing from our sin by confessing it to his people. God's plan is not for you to suffer in silence or for you to just let God know. He wants you to let somebody know. That's why community is so important. You're gonna need people that you can be honest with and that can help you. Some of you, this weekend, you're gonna have to be honest with your husbands. Some of you, you're gonna have to be honest with your wives. Some of you are gonna need to be honest with somebody before you're honest with your wife. Because you're going, she is not gonna take this news well. And let me just speak to, uh, if you're a person who they're gonna talk to this weekend, Here's what I want you to hear me say. I know that it is painful and it is hard for you to hear what it is that they are telling you. I know that there is gonna be a perfect picture of your relationship that you feel just got shattered. But I also want you to know this, that they took a big, bold faith statement to let you in on their battle. They had a choice and they chose to tell you because they want healing. And God has forgiven you. And we need to work hard to take the grace that he has given to us and pass that on to the people around us. For those of you who are getting ready to stop looking at pornography, I want you to know you are in uh, for an uphill battle. It's gonna take about three months for you to return to normal. Week one, you're gonna have dramatic mood swings and you're gonna go through a dopamine nosedive. This is chemical. You're gonna deal with increased anxiety and a lot of headaches. You're gonna be hypersensitive to lustful thoughts. Weeks uh, one through three, your motivation and energy levels are gonna drop off. You're gonna make, you might find yourself experiencing zero sexual urges. Weeks four through eight, you're gonna be a roller coaster of emotions. You're gonna have bursts of energy followed by depression and sluggishness, and you're gonna experience a heightened burst of temptation. This is oftentimes where relapse occurs. But hear me, beyond the three months, 
Your body is gonna reorient itself. It's gonna begin to heal itself. You're gonna feel more emotionally stable. Your focus will sharpen. Your sex drive will return. Your spiritual confidence and your intimacy will soar and you will begin to feel at peace and whole again. There's hope. One of my favorite stories comes from one of my favorite songs. 2006, 2008, there was a song written by Michael Guglielmucci called Healer. Uh, Hillsong produced it. It was on, uh, it, when they went on their world tour, everywhere you went, you heard this song. We sang it at this church. The lyrics of the song were incredibly powerful and moving, but what took the song to the next level is that Michael Guglielmucci, the guy who sang it, was also the one who wrote it. And he wrote it as he was in the midst of a battle with cancer. And so you would see B-roll while he's singing the song in conferences of him being dropped off at the hospital and carrying an oxygen tank behind him and going up into the halls of the hospital to get his treatment. His head is shaved. He feels, looks sunken down. When they showed pictures of him in the green room, he would get up and he would put his guitar on and then he would take uh, the hose for the oxygen and he would put the hose in his nose and then he'd grab his oxygen tank and he'd walk out on stage slowly. And in front of tens of thousands of people, he would sing the song, I believe you're my healer. Some months pass, he gets himself in a car wreck and he goes to the doctors, and while he's there, they find out he has no cancer. Before you clap and get excited, uh, that's because he never had cancer. He was lying about it the whole time. He was deceiving his family. He deceived the uh, Hillsong Church. He de deceived all the people that were singing it. What actually was discovered is he had a debilitating addiction to porn. And the song that he wrote, I Believe You're My Healer, was actually about his battle with pornography, not about his fake battle with cancer. And the moment that happened, people started to cancel that song all across. We're not singing that song anymore. But maybe it was a modern day Psalm 51. That it was just an honest confession. And deep down inside, while he was in this battle of, with pornography, he was believing deep down inside that God was still his healer. And the funny thing is, is we will sometimes get super excited about God healing people physically. And sometimes he does. And sometimes the answer is I will heal it someday in heaven. But there is never a someday when it comes to the healing of sin. It is always today that God always will answer the prayer of a person who seeks him out and says, I have this sin and I need a savior. That answer is always, God is on his way, right then, right there, in that moment. You don't have to wait a couple weeks. You don't have to wait to circle back with a doctor. God always takes people's sin and he always heals it. And that is why we focus and glory in the cross, that when we confess it, he is faithful to forgive it. And I hope you'll hold on to that promise as we go to this time of decision. <laughs> to those of you in here today or watching online who don't have a relationship with Jesus, I need you to hear me say this. Jesus is indeed our healer. There is no problem that he can't solve. There is no sin that he can't save.
And I want you to know that you can trust him with your life because he has a good and beautiful plan for you. And if you could fix you, you would have already fixed you. But the enemy that you are fighting and the battles that you are wrestling and the struggles that you are navigating can only be dealt with through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ and the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. And you gain both of those things. The redemptive power of Jesus' blood and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit when you become obedient to Jesus in the area of baptism, when you begin what we call here at the crossing an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, if that's where you find yourself, I wanna tell you in just a few moments, when the people around you are standing and singing, there's gonna be people over there by the baptistry who'd love a chance to talk with you and pray with you about how to start that. To the rest of you in the room, to those of you who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have got to live a life that reflects this, that we have been set apart, that we are different, that our aim is to live a holy and honorable life and to not take advantage of our brothers and sisters. The weird thing you might be thinking in your mind right now if you've been coming to the crossing for a long time is how is Clayton gonna do a plane landing about porn? Because we usually tell people to come up to the steps. And who's gonna walk up to the steps on porn weekend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we say nobody's looking, but I mean, I think we know. <laughs> Some of you are like, he's at the steps again. Interesting. <laughs> I know, judges. I know in a room this size, there are some of you who all you wanna do is be at the steps. You've battled for so long. You're tired of the shame. You're tired of the sickness. You're tired of the guilt. You're tired of the images. You're tired of the battle. You're scared out of your mind about how you're gonna to talk to your spouse. You're worried as all get out about confessing it to somebody else and getting the help and the hope that you desperately need and all you wanna do is be up here at the steps and get down on your knees and beg for God to do a work and at the same time you know you desperately want to be there. You're going, there's no way I can take that walk. So how are you gonna get up here? I'm gonna tell you. We're gonna give you cover. What do you mean? Crossing family. There are people that need to come to the steps and need to get down on their knees and need to desperately pray, but the only way they're gonna be able to do it is if we provide them with cover. So here's what I'm saying. If you're a leader in this church, if you're in a life group, if you're a person who gives, if you're a mother, father, granddaughter, grandma, would you come to the steps? If you've seen a car, drove a car, and wish you had a better car, would you come to the steps? If you've appreciated a walk underneath the sunshine, if you've appreciated the beauty of the moonlight, would you come to the steps and provide cover? If you're wearing socks, underwear, or wish you were, would you come to the steps and provide them with cover? Because there are people that desperately want to get right with God, and they want to come forward, and they want to do battle, but they can't because they're embarrassed, and they're scared, and they're worried, and there's got to be a church there's got to be a place that says we got you we'll give you the cover we'll put so many people up here that you could walk up and nobody would ever know we've got you you're not alone this battle is won by Jesus and we got your back would you stand with me God do a work 
I'm praying the same prayer I pray every time I get ready to preach. God, I'm nothing, this sermon's nothing, this church is nothing unless you're in it. So God, inhabit this place, inhabit this moment and do a work that only you can do and start a fire in this place that Satan can't put out. In your name I pray, amen.